just a reality. I'm a white Midwestern peninsular man. Yeah. Or does that make me an island boy? You're borderline an island boy. <laughs> a, I, I, my my origin of cultures are island people. Yeah. So I'm, but I live on a peninsula, so I'm very borderline an island boy. Um, that's something I actually want to put you on the spot about, where I give you uh absolutely no fair warning on this. <laughs> That's fair. You are the first person to grace the show who is actually proactive on the hit popular app TikTok. And I want to pick your brain about that a little bit. Okay. You know, it's like the minute you said Island Boy, I was thinking of that god awful Island Boy song. uh, Um, I mean, that, that's where everything comes full circles. Um, Lebanon Dawn of the Four Nerds likes to say that uh, I'm a Segway King. Um, yeah, I'm here I mean, for it. I like it. You know, I, I collect Infinity Stones too, but that's also canon with this <laughs> podcast story that we have going on or whatever. I don't know. I, I just write the show. Anyway, um, I guess where I could just start grilling with the questions is that um, is it is it fun to go along with the trends, or do you like you know lifting the curtain and showing more of your life on and your experiences on the app, like some people like to do? Like, what what do you prefer of the two uh, of those two paths, if you will? So it's funny. I've actually been like toying with the idea of like as you say, lifting the curtain. Most of my videos are trends. Um, Let's be really, truly honest. Most of my videos are thirst traps, although I don't think they're trapping anyone, but they're there. Um, (laughs) Just like 95% of the American, or not the American population, of the internet population. He says, like, come see how slutty I am, but I'm not at the same time. <laughs> I think I think it was like a hot, a hot 90s hip hop that said shake what your mama gave you or like fl- if you got it flaunted, I don't know. Um You if you also don't use it, you lose it. So there's yeah, that one. So like that's 3 for 3, my friend. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but I think I only actually have maybe one video on my TikTok page that's like a behind the scenes lifting of the curtain and it's because That's not mom, true. Do I have more than that? Yes. You think I think as a follower, as a follower, (laughs) I I know you have multiple. Okay, quite a few videos, yes, but I think there's only one of me like talking that's not like a trend or like a voiceover from a show or something. Does that make sense? Well, okay, all right, fine. That's why I have a couple travel ones. That's that's what I mean because okay, so travel isn't necessarily a trend, but the one I was actually going to bring up was the one with um. But like anything related to your dog, and I understand there's a lot of dog-related TikToks or anything with pets, really. Mm-hmm. But it's just like you know, when there's any of those, it, yours with your dogs are unique in their own way. Yeah, and that's why I believe it separates from the trend of that's it all. Fair. Yeah, I love my dog, and I wish he—he he is a very cute dog in person. He is not always the most photogenic dog. <laughs> I get that. Um, 
he doesn't like to sit still really and he gets really annoyed when the camera's in his face so he's a diva um or i could possibly be tiktok famous by now because he's cute but yeah True. no it's it's kind of fun doing the like lift the like kind of see into my world like what i'm doing but also like at the end of the day it's the internet so i like to be careful and like i will try to like post things really random i know this is probably me being paranoid but like say I go on a trip to like New York, I won't post about it for two months. Cause I don't want people to be like, Oh, she was just in New York. Like, Oh, that's fair. No, that's absolutely um, fair. Yeah. So like, and I do that kind of across the board with like Instagram and like any of the other social medias that I'm on. Like, right. I don't know. It's just people out there are crazy. And I know yeah. I crazy people that like care about what I'm doing and where I'm at. So I just like to keep them on their toes and not never know. <laughs> uh, hey, that's, you know, a lot of guys like that, you yeah. know, and, and it just already tells you that you're not chasing the clout on TikTok. But yeah, TikTok, I, I mostly do them for my pure entertainment. Like, I just think they're fun. I think that I've done a couple, like, that are voiceovers, but they were, like, original ideas. But for the most part, some of the trends are just funny. Like, all the Christmas ones right now with, like, the different dances and the different, yes. like... Like, my favorite one at the moment right now is the, like, Mariah Carey one where people are like, oh, my God, don't do it. You know, I can't. And they <laughs> help myself. And, like, then they start singing Mariah Carey. Like, that one's just hilarious. Yes. yes. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just pure entertainment. I have, like, six followers. So, like, <laughs> not out here killing it anytime soon. But it's a good time. I, I know how that feels. We only have 20 listeners a week hey, on an average. Man. I mean, not necessarily. That's our, like, diehards. I don't know yeah. necessarily our, like, you know populace we're only a year into this i i've yeah. uh, and then you have people like me that are a binger like i probably i don't listen to you guys like weekly but like i'll go on okay. a week and listen to like 10 episodes oh dope yeah. nice i'm i'm a binger for all my podcasts though so i'm like that annoying algorithm person that fucks with it every week i love fucking with the algorithms it's my favorite you know someone's it's absolutely my favorite i will go from edm to opera in seconds Oh. Just to fuck with my Spotify. I was about to say, my Spotify wrapped was hilarious this year. Because I it bet. was like rap, musical, podcast, weird jazz, some sort of like Ukrainian band that I was found. Was it jizz? Online. If it's weird no. jazz, was it jizz? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know that exists, right? It's a genre, oh, right? What? That's real. Jizz oh, is a real genre. Of course it is. I'm pretty sure <laughs> they have like washing sounds as a genre now. What was your number one song on your rap? Ooh, that's a, let me look real quick. Cause I, I'm going to say it was probably Doja Cat. I was in the top 3% of listeners for Doja Cat last year. She's hot. Oh, she's amazing. And I want to be the best friend. Her TikTok, speaking of TikToks. Is okay. Amazing. You need to educate me because okay. Mandy Hitake, my better half, yeah. wants to be her best friend. So why do people want to place themselves as Doja Cat's best friend? First off, I feel like she's just, it's funny because Doja Cat's famous, but you don't see yes. Doja Cat in your face like you saw like Nikki, even Megan the Stallion, Cardi B, like Doja Cat's just there. Like, Do you know, okay, look, I love musical arguments when it comes okay. to my show because yeah. it's perfect for the pop culture concept. It's amazing, which means we don't have to do this later and talk more about the topic we're going to talk about today. Um, it also breaks the ice for a lot of different shit. Um, I think the way how Doja evolved from her beginning concept is a lot better than you've mentioned those names because like you go from Nikki to Cardi 
to Ariana mm-hmm. to Megan. Okay. Like those, those four of this past decade, that isn't Beyonce or Lady Gaga. Right. <clears throat> and we could now safely put Adele in this conversation too. All of these women, I mean, the four that I named prior are basically like huge staples that have actually thrown the booty in our face. Yeah. More, more or less. Okay. Doja being a sex symbol now hasn't really need, like needed to throw it in our face. No. And just has been expressing her sexual nature a lot more sexier than the four I've listed, mm-hmm. which probably like puts her in a whole league of her own when it comes to like that sex symbol status. I would agree. Hers is like an understated. So she did, and I'm not going to remember the award show because I'm garbage at this kind of stuff. She did like a solo act at some award show during the pandemic. So it was just her on stage Maybe some backup dancers at some point, but I think it was mostly her on stage, and she kind of did like a mashup of some of her songs. But she oh, was dope. almost dressed like a 1920s. I'll see if I can find the video. I probably have it saved because I love listening to it. But she was almost right dressed on. like flapper style, but it was just like so hot seeing like her perform her music and and she almost did it in like a jazz style. Like it wasn't her normal like rap, if you will, or whatever you want to categorize her as pop, I guess. Right. But, like, it was almost, like, a different, like, kind of sensual way to sing her songs. And, like, the way she was dressed, it was just, like, very interesting. And I was, like, I like this. And the fact that she has enough clout to be, like, this is how I'm presenting my music, even though this isn't the type of music it's known for, was just really cool. Did you find your number one song? Yeah, it's (laughs) Thought Shit by Megan Thee Stallion. (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. According to my wrapped on Spotify, I like bold, energetic music, and I like a lot of really shitty sex, sexy rap, if you will. <laughs> so I just like, I listen to a lot of, a lot of my Spotify, if it's not like musicals, because I listen to a lot of musicals on there, um, on podcast, obviously, but like, uh-huh. it's mostly like part, like party-esque music, because I listen to music to like pump me up or get me out of like funks. So I usually have like very like bold anthems, if you will. You should come to a rave with me then. I should. It'd be fun. Because EDM is all of that. EDM is all of that. I was about to say, I'm trying to think of what I went to. I don't know if it was EDC. No. What's the big one in Tampa? So it's Sunset Music Festival. Yes. I went to that a couple years ago. That's Memorial Day weekend. It was a lot of fun. I saw Snails was actually surprisingly my favorite because I normally don't. Oh my God. We went to the same one. Oh, really? Nice. Yes, because I, I saw snails at SMF. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I that was fun. It was That's I, dope. Um, Dude, that's cool. Um, the festival that I'm going to next in March, which I believe is, um, you know, the best one in Florida, uh, I'm going to go see Megan the Stallion in March. Where? Is that the one you sent I, me? Okeechobee. Oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, I didn't send you the that that one I said you was all alternative rock. That's what I thought. I was like, wait a second. I'm saying this out loud, but that is not track. That is that is the innings festival. I'm more hyped about that because of Green Day, because I haven't crossed Green Day off my list oh yet. Oh my god. There's okay. Let me geek out for a second. So I went to 
DC slash Baltimore back in August. And um, I snapped you during this show. Yes. Okay. I I, I was like, I think we talked, but like, oh my God, I could see the sweat dripping off of Billy Joel Armstrong's face. And I was losing my mind. My friend's like, what is wrong with you? I go, I've been in love with him since I was like nine. This is (laughs) to the point, my dear friend, that we found out that they're touring in Europe in June and we may or may not have bought pit tickets in Ireland to go see them. That is amazing. And that is so cool. Since we decided to do that, we're also going to go see the Foo Fighters and the Red Hot Chili Peppers. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm fucking pumped. I, yeah, I jealous. Yeah. That is, is that all in the same fall so, sweep or is that different tours? Kind of, so, Dublin is going to be like on a Thursday or something. And then the following like Wednesday, Thursday is like Foo Fighters and Red Hot Chili Peppers, but they're going to be in London. So we're going to like spend a few days in Ireland and then switch over to London. Um, I'm kind of sad because then of course that following weekend, which would have made it a two week trip, which would be cool, except I'm out here trying to be an adult and a real lawyer. So I can't just like take off for two weeks and go to Europe, unfortunately, but they're having a festival in Madrid called Mad Cool and it has like Muse, who's on my bucket list to see in Europe. It has the Killers. It has all. It has all of these incredible artists, and it's like four days of just some of my favorite people. And I was like, what? But I was like, I I can't unless I literally flew back to America for a week and then flew back to Spain, which I don't make that kind of money. Ball up on a budget. <laughs> you know, that's um, for so Muse was one of the best shows I've ever seen. That's what I've heard, and I'm oh. Where'd you see them at? Here. I've heard like they're even better in Europe because they like really play up to their homeland. I don't know why. That, yeah. Like. No, that's their home. I won tickets for Muse. That's awesome. Yeah. It was, it was really fucking cool seeing them. Very uh, Mum Mumford and Sons oh, won, yes. won, me, won me tickets for Muse. That's how that goes. Nice. Did and you I saw Mumford. Uh, yeah. I was there too. Look at us being at the same concerts. There you go. There you go. Oh, wait, no. Mumford at uh, Emily? No. Oh, was Muse at Emily? Muse was at Emily, yes. That was 2013. Okay, so that was way pre-me being there. Yeah, way way before you got here. Um, I saw Mumford and Sons in 2020, right before the pandemic. Gotcha. Yeah, I saw, I saw them. Okeechobee. I saw them at Okeechobee. Hmm. I, I feel like I just I don't know. Okeechobee doesn't seem my vibe, but it always has such good artists. You know, if you like camping, then That's, it's up your alley. This is the anti vibe part for me. I'm like, I don't know. I I gotta tell you, camping's fun. It can be. I feel like if I participated in some of the extracurriculars that may or may not happen at Okeechobee, I'd probably enjoy it more. Um, right on. You know. But goes back to the whole being an adult thing, like nine. Well, we'll we'll take baby steps. We'll uh, we'll rave together at SMF. Yeah, that would be fun. So that's easy, and all that jazz. Hey Alexa, turn into the Espro TV podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Espro TV podcast. My name is Maddie, 
as you know, my right-hand man and co-host, TV, is still missing in action. Don't worry. Hello Nurse has not given him cement shoes yet. I'm pretty sure he's, um, well, he's actually trying to make sure that he stays alive through the holidays. So, TV, we wish you good well. We want you back here as soon as possible. Um, if I don't, if I lose you for the remainder of the year, then I, I may have to fly up to New York like immediately in January and fix shit like ASAP. Anyway, filling in his shoes for the evening is uh, a fellow guest of another show. Um, and the fact that she is local and I could wrangle her in here and, of course, add another Infinity Stone to my gauntlet, she is part of the show Bingeworthy, which you could find on the main channel of Apple Podcasts before they trickle out into their own uh, domains past their website. Uh, please put your hands together for Allie. Say hello to the people, Allie. Why, hello, good people. I don't know what that accent was, but you're welcome. Nice you're to fan- be here. You're fantastic. You're doing terrific, Jess from New Girl, who's awkward as hell. You know... <laughs> I can't deny that I would fit into Jess's role. I've also been told I'm an Elaine. Apparently, I am the awkward sidekick woman in everyone's fucking trio. But that's okay. I accept it graciously. Well, I mean, at least you're not Sweet D. Oh. You know. But she's got such a sweet jackknife. (laughs) Listen, I, I believe that you would never, ever would want to be called the Aluminum Monster. In your life, especially during the adolescent years. This is fair. Like, if there was anything embarrassing about it. Also, uh, like, you are sweet to the edge, but, like, you know, you're not, like, bitchy in her nature. This is you know, she's I mean, you, you are, like, uh, certified and um, 100% that bitch, you know, according <laughs> to the way how you dial it up. But, like, you, you make it necessary in that yeah. nature. Um, to be attained. <clears throat> it's the most wonderful time of the year. And mainly that's because, you know, people bring out the good good in all things considered. I don't necessarily think I have a good good on hand, but I have from Tidal Brewing Company all the way out in Spring Hill, Florida, is uh, Porch Pills German Pilsner. Uh, what are you drinking? So I was just telling the good people, I just finished one called Gusefa. It's an Oktoberfest lager from Fathead's Brewery out of Ohio. But I just cracked open my favorite fall beer of all time. It is called Basic Bitch. But actually right now, because they're being PC, it's basic. And then it's just a line with an exclamation mark. But it's made to look like a Starbucks can. Fuck them. Um, (laughs) No, it's awesome. It's from Brewbus. It's local. Oh, okay. Um, and it's they're like they're owning it because like it says it's a pumpkin spice latte milk stout, but on the back of the can yes. it says whip out your bedazzled cell phone, call up Becky and Madison, and tell them it's time to live, laugh, and love with a delicious basic bitch. <laughs> oh my god! We <laughs> know you only care that this can is Instagrammable, and they're not wrong. But it's also delicious, and you can only get it obviously around Oktoberfest. So I bought a fuck ton of it. So now I'm still drinking it in December. <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers. It's me clinking the mic. Well, now I'm spilling my beer, so we're really just winning. 
It is a Monday after all. <clears throat> that tastes more IPA than Pilsner. Yeah, mm. where did you say it was from again? Tidal Bay. I feel like that's something I've experienced with them before. Uh, one of my close friends from high school yeah. bought a house at the same time I did. You guys are such adults. <clears throat> and um, this is the closest brewery to his house, yeah. right? Um, and, uh, his dad is actually like my Jedi master. He claims this like as his title, self-proclaimed title. Okay. He claims as my Jedi master who got me into the craft beer game, like period, you know? And like, he wanted to make a beer run. <laughs> He knows I'm the only one who would go with him because I'm well versed in beer. So we go up to this brewery and like it it's it took over like a rundown gas station out the middle of Bumblefuck Spring Hill. Yeah. But it's a spot, you know? It, yeah. it's it's nice. You walk in there, it's a very nice brewery, and you know, it had a lot of, it had a lot of good beer. Nice. So I'm pretty nice sure this one. the walls are the best ones. Yeah, they are, dude. There's there's a shitload this side. Florida is definitely like under the radar as much no, as it is. is for craft beer. Like, I mean, obviously, like I live near Dunedin, and like Dunedin has like seven banging. Yes, groceries. it's impressive. Yes. So I have mentioned uh, prior that you have uh, a show you participate on called yes. Bingeworthy. Uh, you and your fellow co-hosts. Um, like to take a genre at hand and, um, you know, take a wide spread of like the cream of the crop of, you know, what hits a genre and, um, basically take it of a process of elimination of what is worth binging and whatnot. So, uh, tell us a little bit more about that experience and how much you, uh, enjoy participating in it. Yeah, so we kind of did, like, I think at first they kind of wanted to make it a little more, like, genre-wise, but now it's almost just, like, whatever the flavor of the week, if you will. Um, So each week, one of the panelists, there's usually about six of us, gets to pick our favorite show and pitch it to the team and see if it's binge-worthy or not. So it's kind of fun because it's actually broadened my horizons. I've seen a lot of different types of TV now that I've never thought I'd watch. Um, (laughs) And, like, obviously some classics, um, but it's kind of, it's, it's fun. Cause like, it's very different opinions and very different styles and you get to kind of talk. We, we, we muck it up before the show and then we get to watch the episode. And the key here is that it has to be, I think more than one season. I always forget our rules. I make them go over the rules with me every week and they're like, Allie, write them down. And I, what are the rules? And they're like, ma'am. We talk about this all the time, and I'm like, well, let's talk about it again, folks. Um, Basically, it has to have, I think, more than one season. The episodes, I think, have to be longer than 20 to 30 minutes. Basically, it's not like a kind of like some of those quick animated shows where it's like you have to watch 10 to get it to 30 minutes. One of our panelists, I still have beef with him about this, picked a show that now Netflix is pounding as a movie. And I'm like, how did it get on here? I was like, that is now a Netflix movie. But because it's like one of those weird shows, it was like an hour and 15 minutes. Um, that came out as like a three part series for their Halloween. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, obviously you win some, you lose some. I've pitched two, three shows now. 
My first show, I picked Good Girls, and it was binge-worthy. Everyone loved it. And then my most recent, I pitched, um, is called Afterlife, and it's a Ricky Gervais show. And I freaking love this show, but you have to really appreciate British. Was that on Adult Swim? No, it's on Netflix. Specifically Netflix. I have a fe- like. I had a feeling like that had Adult Swim written all over it. No, it's like actually pretty it heartfelt, it. ironically. Really? Yeah, it's it's like it's got some deep overtones, and obviously, like it kind of pokes fun at like the like small town British life, if you will. Um, but it's got like really deep, heartfelt like storyline to it. It actually like I think the first time I watched it, I cried, which I was surprised because I was like Ricky Gervais, he's gonna be a dick, and it'll be like kind of funny. It was hilarious, but also very like poignant. Um, but no one thought it was binge worthy because a lot of people were like, "It's too sad," <laughs> or like, "It's too long." And it's like, okay, too whatever. sad. I'm like, apparently, I like depressing dark TV, but it's fine. <laughs> Have they let the um, wider nerd conglomerate pitch uh, a full anime show yet? Yeah, so we watched. Oh, um, <laughs> I wasn't there for Cowboy Bebop, but they th- did Cowboy Bebop one time, and I do think okay. about like the anime, not the new Netflix one. Right. Um, and Thankfully. It got, yeah, it got. I've heard it's really good. I kind of am interested. I in have heard it. it's actually shit. And, oh, okay. you know, with breaking news that happened over the weekend, they canceled it. Oh, with, shit. I haven't yep. even seen them. And they didn't even finish the whole main story. Like, from yeah. the way how, from what I'm reading, they're supposed to, like, at least break it up into almost three seasons from mm-hmm. how long Cowboy Bebop the series was. Right. But, um, yeah, it's just, it got so poor reviews that they're just, not even giving it the opportunity. Damn, that's crazy. It's sad. Um, and then what else did we watch? We watched Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, maybe. Is okay. That a show? Yes. Um, <laughs> I <clearly laughs> did not vote it binge worthy. Um, it was just one of those. I don't mind anime. Like, obviously, high school. Like every fucking poor person had to watch like Naruto and like Dragon Ball Z. Hey now. As an adult, I appreciate okay, Dragon Ball Z, whatever, but like Naruto's not that bad. But in high school, as Naruto's like, not for poor people. Okay. It was very poor in high school, so <laughs> 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 like it just like wasn't my cup of tea because it was like something you'd go hang out with like your boyfriend that you're dating at 15 or whatever. And they'd be like, You wanna hang out and watch the show? And you're like, whatever. Um, it's better now. And I but like full metal, the that one that we watched. Yes. I don't know if it was just the episode, but, like, I just felt very, like, I don't know what's happening this whole time. I didn't like the cutscenes necessarily between, like, the traditional anime and then that weird, like, caricature pops, if you will. Um, I'm sure there's, like, actual nerd language that would describe this art style that I'm unaware of. Mm, okay. Yeah? Okay. No no shade. I mean, I appreciate it for what it is. But oh, like, yeah. I don't know, like, but I, I don't mind those kind of shows. Like, I like animated shows. Like, I want to watch, like, Death Note and things like that. Um, that one particularly though like I don't know it's and again like this is one of our things though like you can always bring a show back to binge worthy because sometimes it's hard like with one episode to be like encapsulate an entire show and be like do you want to keep watching this or not I feel like your collective Mm -hmm. would do best with like the short animes like are like you know maybe one two two seasons and that's it Our main host, Matt, does not like anime, like, at all. (laughs) So it's also just a hard sell for him. Everyone should should leave him. 
<laughs> like he's just not like a big he anime needs, person. So he needs to get with the program. Yeah, we're here. I'm I'm not kidding. We're fucking here. It's it is a popular domain it in is. mainstream media. Like if Zoomers are fucking kicking with it, and the Millennials and Gen Xers were probably like the fucking pioneers for that. All right, then yeah. everybody else needs to get with the program. Like I'm have serious. You, <laughs> have you seen the meme going around? And it was like, oh, you like anime now? Everyone thought I was weird for liking anime in high school, and it's like, no, we thought you were weird because you ran around the playground with your arms behind you, Keith. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and that's all I think about. <laughs> yes, we always actually did make fun of that kid. Listen. On the playground. Despite we were all doing the same shit, but not on the fucking playground. Yeah, like you went home and did it in your backyard, obviously. Yeah, or in your bedroom when the fucking show was on. <laughs> um, I went on a date with some guy, God, last spring. And he Word. was really into that show. That Now I'm blanking on it, and I was going to talk about it, and now I can't. But I like jokingly like learned the hand signals because i'm extra like that okay it was naruto because you know why i remember you telling me this fucking story yes okay. i remember you telling me this story <laughs> yeah and he was just like so into it and i was just like i mean i don't really like i'm not not into it but like um like it's not like a cup of tea per se but then i was like you know what to show that i care i was like i want to learn some of these like hand signals and i was like i can never do this in public <laughs> like i was like i will do it at your apartment and then we'll go out for drinks it'll be great but no. You know. I'm going to insert any dirty thought here that every nerd is probably thinking of right now as they're listening to the show. Let so them that people think can it. use their color, colorful imagination there. Yeah. <coughs> so, great one. Another reason why I have you here is mm -hmm. to bring some of your elements from your demographic and your show yeah. and sprinkle it in a little bit on our show with sprinkling it with Christmas cheer. I'm here for it. Because tis the season. Tis the season to be jolly, to have parties, to give gifts to special people and loved ones, all things considered. It's the end of the year where whatever holiday that you connect to the most has all of those great feelings. Um, you know, in my, uh, as I'm eclipsing my 30th year, I've come to admit that Christmas is now my all-time favorite holiday. Really? Yeah, no, it's just like the way how I act and go out of my way for every little thing for, you know, the holiday, I have the most joy for it. Okay, I'm here and for it. And that's, that's probably me putting more admittance into it. It's like Christmas is probably my all-time favorite holiday. Um, and I'm all over the, like I said, I'm weird. Like March is my all time favorite month following that is October, but you know. Okay. But back up. Why is, why March? Um, St. Patrick's day is also an all time fave. Okay. okay. The beginning of baseball season. There it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> There's real reasons here. Yeah, um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get there. We're, but we're, you know, in the end of 2021. Um, so let's remain focused at hand. I really want to enable a lot of arguments about Christmas movies because mm -hmm. 
tis the season to watch some of your favorite holiday classics. And, you know, everybody has their traditions of like what Christmas movie connects to a family the most, you know, what movie that you were taken to the theater Christmas day when, you know, you didn't have anything else to do. And you saw that one movie that even if it was old or brand new, it's, it's the one that everybody connects to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like a lot of people, especially in nerd lore and culture, and thank you to the internet, there's been so many spark debates about this, where people reach for even more movies to be concluded and you know tied into Christmas films. Right. Y- you know what I mean? Yeah. It's they're like, oh, there's a tree in the background, it's Christmas. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I don't know about that. I mean, uh, before we hit record, I found a very well-documented article that like, even has the formula standards of what yeah, counts actually was as a Christmas one. Yeah, uh, via The Ringer, which is mm-hmm. a great website. Um, and, and a lot of this like, makes a lot of sense, especially you know, for people who make a lot of the certain arguments for a lot of different, you know, uh, fanfare and all things considered the, the primary argument that, um, I, I need to put on wax and, you know, have and stand my ground with is that, um, I grew up in my household with Die Hard being a Christmas movie. Yeah. And it is, been an eternal argument even ever since the roast of Bruce Willis where he concluded his uh, event by ushering the words that it is not a Christmas film (laughs) which is now has sparked the eternal debate uh, across the internet and we we approach this every year it is it is always you know the diehard element when I was younger I thought like I, I thought it was special my my mom really said like this is the Christmas movie that yeah. we watch. I was the only one that watched it with her. Yeah. Because it was a fun time. You know what I mean? And I, I loved it. Um I love the Die Hard series. It is one of my the first two take place on Christmas. Okay. okay? So like people want to argue just Die Hard. The first two Die Hards are on Christmas. How many so, Die Hards uh, are there? Um, by count, I want to say five. Okay, that's what I thought. Five. Let's double check for accuracy. Die Hard movies. Okay. And have you seen them all? I haven't seen the most recent one made. A good day to die hard. <laughs> oh, these names. Yeah, according to my Google, Google, there's five. <laughs> there's five? Yeah, so die hard, die hard two, die hard with a vengeance, live free or, live die, free hard, or die hard. And then a good day to die hard. <laughs> okay, hold on. Nope, I did see this one. Yeah, and um, that that one is the worst one. 
<laughs> all of them. Usually because I remember like falling asleep through it. Once oh my god. Couple, it's hard to really just keep that trope going. They want to make Die Hard 6. Is that the one that says McLean? Or is that like a whole different vibe? No. But no, Bruce Willis weird. has expressed his desire that he wants to retire from the John Mc- McLean character. Well, what else is he doing? Absolutely nothing. Who cares? I heard he's a big prick. <laughs> Probably. He looks like one if it's. Okay, so Die Hard. Christmas movie, childhood, growing up. Yeah. So how many times do you think you've seen this movie? I have seen... You, you know what's funny? Yeah. Die Hard in general, because of you know that childhood memory, mm-hmm. okay? It had one of those Pavlovian things where is that if I was flipping through the channels and I saw it on TV, I would watch the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. So I have, I have seen the first, I've seen the first one multiple times. I have seen the second one, probably half the amount of seeing the first one. Okay. Um, and you know, as as they go on, I've like seen them just as much as like I've seen one, two, and three probably the most. Okay, and then by the fourth one, like it's it's corny and right. cheesy. And then um, live uh, a good day to die hard is absolutely atrocious. I've probably only seen it maybe twice because I had to rewatch the parts that I fell asleep through, mm-hmm. and I will not watch that one ever again um so i could argue like fisticuffs every aspect of die hard and why it truly is a christmas film and and what it truly represents okay i have seen it once but i'm prepared to die on the hill that it is not a christmas movie (laughs) i mean you you have to state your reasons because I could d- dismantle every single one. I really can. No, I mean, you probably can. But I think my main one is that it's – so to me, a Christmas movie has to really, like, not only just, like, focus on obviously have Christmas elements, but it right. has to be about Christmas. And the thing with Die Hard and my main my main argument, let's be honest, yes. is that it could have happened any time of the year. Okay. It could have been Halloween, could have been Valentine's Day, and it still would have been the same movie. At that rate, it's a comedy when it's not Christmas. It's practically a rom-com. I would argue that Die Hard is more of a rom-com than a sure. movie. Sure. <laughs> uh, aren't most Christmas films rom-coms? <laughs> okay, yes. I'll give you that. Yeah. Walmart has cornered that market. 100%. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, it'd be one thing too, if like, it was like, oh, it's like, he's like, oh, it's the holidays. I want to be with my wife. He has children, right? It's I, so I only watch this movie <laughs> because they talk <laughs> about it in Brooklyn nine, nine all the time. Of course. And I'm obsessed. Jim all is all time. Yeah. And I was like, I have to watch this stupid fucking movie now. Like, yes, I have to know what it's about. I've, I've heard so much about Nakatomi Plaza and like Hans Gruber. And now I, I have to watch it. And so I it's not it. officially Christmas until Hans Gruber falls off the Nakatomi Tower. <laughs> I thought to make an advent calendar 
um, where you like pull tabs and he falls down the tower. You saw that, right? You saw that <laughs> circling the internet. Yeah, I was like, it's wow. amazing. amazing. I honestly <laughs> trust the ingenuity. But like, okay, so he's he's wanting to see his wife, his kids. I don't remember why he's like estranged from them or not with them or whatever. But like, isn't it because he's a New York cop? Oh yeah, okay, and they're like in LA or something. Right? And they're in LA, yeah, yeah, the farthest you could be. Um, but like, it's not like he's like, oh, it's the holidays, I'm missing them. It's Christmas, I need to be with them. He just happens to be going there, and it just happens to be Christmas. Like, I feel like it doesn't really centralize around that holiday. You know? So my rebuttal okay. is that it, there's a trope in some Christmas films mm-hmm. where that there are some people who long to be with loved ones on right. the holidays. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I know this doesn't count, but like literally using the – formula from planes trains and automobiles <laughs> yeah. there's always the um the level of acceptance for making bygones regardless of struggle to finally you know accept the true matter at hand where everybody shares the same goal and it is the sense of belonging and the, that is the flaw that you don't see well, actually, you do see. It is the flaw that you see John McClane struggle with because he truly isn't a family man. As a matter of fact, his family resents him because of his tenacious cop mentality. Mm-hmm. Like, and and that's the reason why the the cop macho film eclipses the idea of it being a Christmas film. Because, you know, in, in the true story of him saving his family is not saving Christmas. Right. Especially like all the other families and loved ones who want to go home and live and not be hostages to uh, German terrorists. Mm-hmm. You know? But the crowning moment for me, like, e- even in that aspect, is when uh, the hacker Theo finally cracks open, you know, the hardware and the safe and they uh, play joyful, joyful in the background when that's happening. I mean, it's, it's them getting their present that they're initially uh, in search for, because of course it's a heist to these criminals, mm -hmm. you know, criminals thrive on the holidays exhibit home alone. Another John Hughes film um, that under the same umbrella, you know, and that's another thing. John Hughes Christmas films are a complete different like league and sport. Okay. Complete separate argument. All right. The, the more that I dwell with it, there's like, it, it's silly excuses to connect it to Christmas and aspects of Christmas. But like where, where you see the understandings of the struggles of characters, you see that like where people put it all on the line for the holidays and when it matters most, Yeah, that's, that's, that's where you see a lot of 
shared qualities in a lot of plots of Christmas films. So that that there's that. Yeah. I mean, yes, there but again, it goes back to like those little subtleties I feel like could easily be replaced like with anything and it like wouldn't affect the storyline. I mean, yeah. The the second film is less of a Christmas movie than the first one. Yeah. And and I I can admit that one. Even though it takes place on the same time, you know, like the same time of year, mm-hmm. and people are more in the concept of like respecting John McClane's character after what he did. Right. But everything else is like, you know, again, character tropic after that. And like it's it's not the same genuine argument, you know? Like it, it's more cliche to the concept of one man stopping an evil collective and you know their plan to terrorize whatever the fuck they're doing. Yeah. And they pick the wrong place to do it because guess who's there? John McClane. But Die Hard One is it's argue I will say it, there are valid arguments to be had. Yes. And they do play it up a lot. Like you said, like there's like the, the Christmas music playing in the background. Like obviously he's traveling to a win- like a winter party, a Christmas party in the winter. An office Christmas party. Stereotypical. And like the ones in the eighties where they were actually held in the fucking office rather than at a you know disclosed location now. Right. You know what I mean? everybody go back upstairs after that's neither here nor there (laughs) Um, (laughs) exactly but yeah no okay like i'll give you that but i still stand by the fact that like while there are christmas instances yeah that it overall is not a christmas movie because it's not like if if he would have been like i it is holidays i need to go see my family because of the holidays then yes it'd be a little bit more convincing but he's just like no i miss my wife and he just happens to show up then. And like I said, I easily could have been replaced by anything. Any holiday. Like, it could have been a great Halloween movie. I would tell you it would be a lot more hilarious if it took place on Easter. Oh, that'd be hilarious. It, it's more of a comedy film if it takes place on Easter. Now, now that we linger with it. <laughs> all right. So, we're, we're, we could do this all day. Yeah. In in all things considered, we could we could let, you know, uh the uh, listening audience decide. It's probably I haven't done a poll in a while, so probably I'll throw it up in the Facebook group to see and let like those that. people be the final judges. I have a feeling I'm going to lose this poll, but it's fine. I have a feeling you'll actually win because there's a lot of people who are the dedicated listeners who actually agree that it's not okay. a Christmas film. I mean, I will say to your point about the director that the ringers article does say that it is home alone, but with more guns. So <laughs> um, there's that. The, and that's the thing shared concept. They're trying to get home for the holidays and spend it with family. Well, the difference is, is that Kevin is, I love that you brought up home alone. Kevin is basically seeing the expression of freedom and the overbearingness of what family is, especially during the holidays. And from the youngest child perspective, 
you could obviously see the overwhelmingness in the character mm-hmm. and them not wanting to deal with their environment being bothered, especially over something as dumb as Christmas. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, you, you look back at all of the Home Alone films and you're like, wow, uh, Kevin's family really mooches off fucking Kevin's dad. Like, yes. they're, they're fucking... They're they're in his pocket like heavy. Like you, <laughs> how do you take like fifteen people to Paris on a budget to Christmas now, dude? Like I can't even imagine that shit. And they're you house, know what I mean? Like, excuse me, like that's oh, a couple million God. home. Like hello, Mister McAllister. What do you do? The primary elements of Home Alone in the good meat and carrots of the film. It's not a Christmas movie. It, it, and I think Home Alone's not a Christmas movie. It There's elements that show that it's not. But deep down, like it's in your face on how much it is a Christmas film. Well, and I think it goes to that underlying, like the whole storyline is like, he starts off and he's like, oh, I hate my family. I hope I never see them again. And obviously they fly to Paris without him. They're like, oh my God. And then, you know, like like you said, even with the planes, trains, and automobiles, it's that fight to get back. Like they're going through hell. The mom ends up they're, like in a van with a polka group or something. You know, like they're both John Hughes films. Right. So like that, that's that's a borrowed element, like in the in the umbrella of John Hughes, Makes who is sense. a comedic genius and has also contributed to a great deal of our um diehard Christmas uh, film. Like, like I'm pretty sure he's in, like, he's a goat for that. Right. But at the end of the day, like, the whole premise of that is then Kevin realizing, like, oh, I don't want to be without my family. We need to be together. It's the holidays. And that kind of coming mm-hmm. togetherness. Mm-hmm. That diehard does not exhibit. <laughs> no, but everybody removes that factor because in the very beginning, John is really trying to patch things up with his estranged wife. I mean, and like, you know, she convinces him, well, stay at the party and, you know, just show me how much you really want to be here because, like, you know, right. I don't need you, John. I don't. And it's like, you know, I know you're heartbroken and, you know, over everything. There's so many fucking macho tropes that is just is cringeworthy now to the average cancel culture fucking representative. Okay. Like, yes, a a husband's going to be bothered with the fact that his wife of two and his two children are not using his last name. Right. Like, fuck me, right? Like, I get that whole concept. I get that whole bag. I really do. Okay, so what are, so obviously, like, those are some classic, legitimate Christmas movies. But do you have any that are not like your traditional Christmas movie that you would argue could be a Christmas movie? Yeah, I mean, earlier this year during the October series, um, you know, we had a great tailored episode. Uh, giving a lot of ode to Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, for a lot of people in the nerd pool, they pull five of the eight, no, I'm sorry, six 
of the eight Harry Potter films have some important footnotes to Christmas as much as they do for Halloween. Yes. Um, they're benchmarks and basically the halfway points in all of the books, especially when they mention the holiday. Mm-hmm. So um, that is that is a very good solid argument because a lot of people could watch Harry Potter from just like, you know, fall all the way through Christmas. Um, and it shares the same, you know, tie-in with uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, where you could watch that from Halloween all the way through Christmas. I agree. And, you know, that's still a Christmas movie, despite it being more leaning towards Halloween. I was just at Home Depot, just getting lights for decoration. There's a blow-up. that uh, This has been around forever. The blow-up zero yeah. lawn thing. But, like, you know, they just started selling uh, Jack Skellington in the Santa outfit. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, of course, you see Jack Skellington anything from the movie, like in his original traditional, you know, suit or whatever, or him with, uh, like, there's so many things with him and Sally. And, like, those are obviously Halloween ornaments, but there's a shitload of the same goths or whatever mm-hmm. that still tailor that movie towards, you know, Halloween. Yeah, which I mean, like, it's it's both, and I would argue that it's both. So it's one of my favorite movies, um, much to people's dismay, because Tim Burton is garbage. I love Tim Burton movies. Um, I actually, it's funny that you say that, because I have a Jack Skellington ornament, <laughs> and I was just looking at it, because I was like, oh, is it Christmas theme? But it's Halloween. Perfect theme. example. Um, and it's like Perfect a little example. snow globe, but it's of his, like, traditional Skellington suit and a little pumpkin on top. They really missed out on that holiday theming because I should have put him in the Santa suit, but tis what it is. And everybody of like their own nerd standard argue different things. Right. Is Star Wars, you know, canon to Christmas ever since the Star Wars Christmas special, or is that TV only? Right. You have people who live and die by the Michael Keaton Batman. And will forever die on the hill that Batman Returns is more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard is. And there are a lot of people who support that argument. Right. But according to this same formula that we observe, you know, via The Ringer, it is not a Christmas movie. It's it's one of those things that are gatekept in the standard, the same rules of Die Hard. And that and that makes a lot of sense. This and this fucking list went heavy. I mean, heavy. It, like, the, of course, they list Harry Potter on the outside because it's they're not Christmas films. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, times in the movie where they briefly talk about Christmas, like Step Brothers, The Sound of Music, The Hunt for Red October, Django Unchained, like. There are certain aspects where there's the focus of Christmas at certain pivotal points of the plot. Right. And that makes sense. But they're not Christmas films, and I get that. So I also did a little research on this because I was like, you know what? I wonder what I can find. Mm -hmm. And 
some of my favorite picks because I screenshotted a few so I could like tell you about them. One was Edward Scissorhands. Yes, actually heavily argued that it is a Christmas film. Yeah, because it says that it's basically many people's it it I uh, how do I want to say like encapsulates the idea that like it's awkward to like see your family once a year and fit in. And that's mm-hmm. kind of what he's trying to do out throughout the whole movie. And then there's also what was the other one? When Nona's character is telling the story at Christmas. Yes, exactly. She's it's, telling the story at Christmas. Did you know that the Edward Scissorhands house is actually like an hour from where I live? Um, it's um. I know where it is. Yeah, yeah. I, I can take it. you exactly where it is. Do you what know is- why I know exactly where it is? Because you've been there. Same said best friend who bought a house out in Spring Hill. Yeah. Used to date a girl who lived right next door to that cool. exact house. That's funny. Even funnier to his... Um, to one of the bars that are closest to his house. Mm-hmm. And it really doesn't necessarily count as a bar. It's like a neighborhood clubhouse that has a liquor license. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. So it's like literally the watering hole for the neighborhood. Yeah. Okay. There are pictures of young ass Johnny Depp playing pool at that pool table because it was the closest bar to the set. That's amazing. Where, yeah. So, like, wherever anybody says, oh, it's in Lutz. Oh, it's in Wesley Chapel. No. The house is in Lando Lakes, Florida. Yes. Okay. I was, like, trying to think of where it was, but yes. I know exactly where it is because it was approximately eight minutes from my house, my my parents' house. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And it's... It's amazing on how Burton made that neighborhood look a lot different than what it looks like right now. Oh, I like can. I can I can tell you that right now as like a film junkie, it's just like it looks completely different. Mm-hmm. Like the neighborhood is entirely different. Noted, he shot in two different places to make it look like a different kind of neighborhood. So not all of the shooting was in that area of, or that side of town. Right. But yeah, no, that's, that's a deep one. That was actually, I, I was having that conversation with somebody today before we got on the show. That's funny. That Ever Hands is a Christmas film. And I said, yes, yes, it is. The other, I'll, I'll bring up two more. Cause the, one of them I saw on every list. And so I was like, I have mm-hmm. to bring it up. Of Rutgers. course. Gremlins. So I personally have, if I've seen Gremlins, it's been a hot minute and I do not recall, but like, I know the gist of it. Um, But yeah, Gremlins, everyone was saying like that everyone only puts it as a Halloween film because obviously they get terrifying if you feed them after midnight, but they're like, the whole rest of it is very Christmassy. The whole film takes place during the holidays. Right. And one of the primary elements that breaches on this list in theory, mm-hmm. the mugwai given to Billy, the main character, mm-hmm. is given to him as a Christmas gift. So, in in all in all the it's the gift that keeps on giving, especially mm-hmm. if right. the gift is in negative fashion and in yeah. consequence. And and I where where I could show you the 
again, this is where sequels sequels will always kill the primary focus of why a film isn't considered A or B or C. Yeah. Hence the diehard argument, right? For Gremlins 2, the new batch doesn't take place on a holiday, but like removes the distraction entirely that like, you know, the film didn't take place on Christmas and it wasn't the Christmas we survived, you know, a monster invasion in our little town. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's a funny it's a funny horror flick that is a cult classic that people like brush off. But like the whole whole film takes place during the holidays and the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. But it's it's more of a horror film than it is a Christmas film. So that, that's my argument. Article also says it plays up to that nice naughty di- dichotomy that we have going on where like, are you naughty or are you nice? Do you deserve your Christmas or not? And I'm like, that's kind of an interesting way to like think about that. That's a very interesting way to put it. And then they say something about the worst Christmas story of all time, which is how this lady's father died being Santa Claus and climbing down a chimney. And that seems depressing. That sounds really (laughs) depressing. And my last one, because I am a dark person was the movie babe. Have you ever seen that? Yes. Okay. I actually was referring to this movie not too long ago. That's amazing. So for anybody that might not recall the movie babe, it's about a farm pig very much in the realm of like Charlotte's web. But better than Charlotte's Web. I will better. argue that is better than Charlotte's Web. 110% better than Charlotte's Web. Yes. So the dark side of this movie encapsulates the dark side of the holidays because throughout the movie, they are chanting like Christmas means carnage. And I'm sure as a child, I did not pick up on this. But basically, the uh-huh. whole premise is that Ferdinand the Duck learns about Christmas dinner and starts to realize that Christmas dinner comes from the animals on the farm. Yes. <laughs> like there's literal like la- random Christmas carols being sung throughout the movie, but the whole movie is about leading up to Christmas and not being the sacrificial lamb, if you will, of Christmas. And I was just like, wow, but it's not the dark turn that I thought from that movie, but damn, it's so accurate. That'll do, pig. That'll that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> <laughs> This article, it's just like, babe, the oblivious pig doesn't even realize the connection that when singing jingle bells to himself, that the song is less of a Christmas carol and more of an ominous dirge. And I'm like, oh God. <laughs> uh, but yeah. See, like when I was when I was pitching this episode to you. Yeah. Oh, and when I, I was starting when I was starting uh, you know, the the binging. Yeah. It's like <clears throat> jingle all the way is so fucking corny. Mm, yeah. And I understand the primary directive is getting the perfect gift for your child, but like the the distraction at hand is everything with the prime like the main character is actually a shitty parent. Right. And he needs to learn his valued lessons. The fact that it takes place on Christmas and it like, you know, is pulling for that factor like it it's it's treated too much like it is a christmas movie but like i don't feel like it is a christmas movie okay there's a lot of action driven shit in it 
and like it, it's one. Of, I feel like it's also one of those movies that Schwarzenegger did for like you know, you know the the giggles and right. for you know breaking the tropes of his like badass films and like all right, let's make a movie where we could everybody could be brought you know to the movie theater. Hey, look at that! Let's do it for the holidays. You know. Like it, it's it's too corny to the stereotype where it, like it it cancels out the focus of it being a Christmas movie. You know what I mean? Okay, no, that makes sense. Like I've never thought about it that way. See, and I always just like think it's about like that whole like <sighs> trope, I guess, of being like, oh, like you like you said, like it's the the perfect gift. And then turning around and realizing, like, oh, the perfect gift is being with your family or whatever, you know, nonsense. Yeah. And it's just like. There's there's people who argue here that Deadpool is a Christmas movie. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> because of the very emotional scene of Wade proposing to Vanessa mm-hmm. up until him finding out that he's dying. Yeah. <clears throat> and I mean, that whole scene is, you know, doing the whole calendar year of them falling in love in the most vulgar fashion possible. But like that critical point of the plot takes place on Christmas. Right. But again, you know, any holiday, would it have mattered? Have you listened to Always Sunny came out with a podcast? No. It's amazing. Like, there's only, like, six episodes. It's just uh, Rob, Glenn, and Charlie. And they kind yeah. of like, talk about, like, their inspiration on the show and, like, some of the like, things they were doing that first season because they're kind of going through their seasons. It's so good. Like, I literally want them to have, like, just a marathon. I could listen to it all day. And, it, I like, I wouldn't be upset. But they're, like, 30 minutes. They're fast. They're amazing. I feel like Rob is giving all of these new mediums for us mm-hmm. to like slowly but surely tell us, Hey, you know, Sonny's had a good ride. I you know, it's 15 seasons. They're filming the 15th season. Yeah. And I heard they got extended to 17. Good Lord. And I'm like, I'm, I'm sitting here just always at like, how do they still find everything for the show? And I understand like Kate and Glenn got greenlit for their own shows, but they already got canceled. Well, that's not true. AP Bio is on Peacock only instead of being on NBC. Caitlin's? No. um, Caitlin had the Mick, which lasted, Mm -hmm. I think, only two seasons. Yeah, it didn't last long. I was kind of surprised. Yeah. And Glenn Howerton, I believe... AP Bio got to three seasons mm-hmm. and they switched that strictly to Peacock instead of being on NBC. Yeah. Or wait, was that Fox? Or it might I mean, be mixing. Always is on Fox, so that would track if it's on there, but Yeah, but like they they, they were separate networks and separate deals. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Rob is killing it on Apple TV. Oh, is he with, with his own independent show? Uh, I'll tell you the name of it in three seconds. Rob, make see, like Rob 
is has played shit smart. Uh, it's called Mythical Quest. Okay. Yeah. Also, you and, it's a Peacock original for AP Bio. Yes. Okay. So there you go. Yeah, the 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 Mick was on Fox. Okay. I remember that, and that got canceled. Yeah. And then AP Bio is now strictly Peacock, which I feel like is more in his realm. Here's another tidbit rumor, and again, heavy, heavy rumor. Uh, Glenn Howerton is the rumor to be filling in the shoes in the MCU for Mr. Fantastic. You know, I've heard that, and I, I could see it. I see it, too. And I see it working heavy. Yeah. Heavy. Um, at the end of the day, we, you know, Danny DeVito is obviously too talented for this show, period. They say that. They talk about that. <laughs> They're like, we don't know how we got that big of a get. They're like, what <laughs> because are we doing here? <laughs> what I love about Danny is that um, he has the humility to know when something has potential and he invests in it. Like, that's how good he's a great producer. Like Danny DeVito is a fantastic producer. So um, I, I think this has been like, I don't want to say like the last hurrah for him, but like the, he has found a way to make him just as timeless as Betty White was on uh, Golden Girls. Right. You know, where we're just like, we're, this is how younger people are going to remember him versus like what he was on prior, you know? Right. It's true. <clears throat> but Charlie Day has definitely, like, he's worth more than all of those people. Yeah. Like, uh, like with his success. I'd say he's done some movies and so like, he's really thrown himself out there, which I was surprised. So much shit. Char- Charlie has done a lot of shit that he does not need this show. But like, I try, like, where, like <laughs> yeah, where everybody has like tried and failed with their other shows, you know, Charlie knows not to do shows because he's getting film deals. Yeah. Which is fantastic. He's also, standalone too. Yeah. Like he's also like producing sh- a ton of shit, which is, is cool. that right? So he's, I just, he's producing for TV series. He did How to Be a Gentleman, which I don't know what that is, but whatever. I, um, me either. Unsupervised. Obviously, he was the producer on Fist Fight, which was a movie. He that did, was the Ice Cube one. Yeah, yeah. Then he did a TV movie called Mean Gene. He's also produced for The Cool Kids, Mythic Quest, which is the one you just said is Rob's show. And then obviously, he's a producer on It's Always Sunny, but like. I'm sure he's done a few other things too. That, that, but like, that's the best part about Always Sunny, is that in the beginning they all wrote and produced like yeah. that show, but by themselves. Which is the craziest thing. Yeah. Listen, Charlie's my favorite. Charlie is my favorite. <laughs> like hands down, I think he has the best like weird line, like one liners and just things he's doing like bird law like <laughs> i don't know i just i resonate on a weird level with charlie day which is probably this is high. why i love my relationships with lawyer folk that are now my age yeah because like i treat it, it's no disrespect 
No, never. I, I know what it takes to, you know, practice the law, go into the law, all things considered. Because I've worked in law firms the majority of my professional career. Now, that goes without saying is that where I am as much of a smart ass in my nature, mm-hmm. I feel like I carry myself the same way as Charlie on how I treat those scenarios. It's okay. <laughs> so like, yeah, I, I, I get this. And, you know, all things get it. And in the nature of bird law. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good, though. Like... I was doing something the other day and I sent someone a meme of when he's like doing something crazy and he's got his like weird like map out thing on the wall and it's like him trying to do the Pepe Sylvia. Yeah. (laughs) I was just like, this is how my brain works. And someone's like, I don't get it. I was like, me either. That's the problem. (laughs) You know, the, the running gag joke with that is right. Kind of. I can't, it's been a while. So I like have watched always sunny, but I've watched it in like the most random so I don't always follow like what I should, if that makes sense. Next to Seinfeld, this is the show that I stream all the time. Yeah. Where because it's it's in one of my all times. It's known that Charlie has dyslexia. Right. Right? He's reading the state Pennsylvania mm-hmm. as Pepe Silvia. <laughs> okay. That makes so much more sense. I was like, I know about it, but I didn't know where it stemmed from. But that Yeah. <laughs> He's <laughs> He's like, and I, I go upstairs to Carol, and I ring, and I knock on her. Carol, Carol, Carol's not even there. She's not. So I circle back all the way back to HR to tell me that there is nobody named Pepe Sylvia in this building. <laughs> oh my god! Wait, this is a mailroom episode, right? That's the mailroom episode. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, and he's like, oh yeah, we don't even work here anymore, man. <laughs> We got fired hours ago. <laughs> I sent our pink slips back up in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good episode. Oh God, uh, sunny. I will. So we can we can pivot this way. So I went to Philadelphia one time when I was living up in the Northeast because nice. I, as a very educated woman, thought that the bar was actually in Philly, and I wanted to go see it. While they do own a bar in Philadelphia, which is kind of lame as fuck and do not advise going, um, <laughs> the actual bar that they film at is obviously in LA, uh, like a sound studio. Obs makes more okay. sense. Okay. Yeah. But I, I kind of thought someone would maybe, like, I would open a dive bar in Philly and be like, this is sure. always sure. cloudy in Philadelphia. Like, just be a shit about it. Like, so they couldn't copyright me or anything, but whatever. But right. Then, Actually, be stick to your roots yeah. as Rob. And, you know, Kate R. by buying a bar in South Philly and calling it Patty's. Exactly. Like, like, like own up to that. Example. Their bar tries to be classy. Nothing. So. Right. I have been to the real bar that is based off the bar they see or that they frequent in How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Me too. Noted. So, okay. Noted. You've been to the same bar. The right. bar in real life shits on what the, what it would be in the show. Like it it was a more impressive bar. So you You know know why that bar like has that trope though. Right. Like obviously it's like based on the show, but like the, the creators wrote and pitched the majority of like the screenplay and the script at that bar. And that was their bar. So 
I've been there a couple times actually because if you go and don't try to order anything from their How I Met Your Mother menu, they like you and they're very cool bartenders. The minute you try to order like a Robin Sparkles, they're like, fuck you, get out of this bar. And you're like, okay. We hate you. We hate you fucking tourists. Fuck off. But I went one time (laughs) and I'd ordered the Robin Sparkles because I was like, I'm here for this reason. Like, let's not play around. And they were like, God damn it. And I was like, listen, hear me out. You have tourists walk in here all day long. I was like, I'm going to be cool. I promise I'll tip you well. I was like, I already know that you're going to hate me because I just said that. I was like, I'm be- I've been a server for years. It's the worst thing that could have just come out of my mouth. I was like, but I promise. I was like, you can say whatever you want to me. And then, like, we ended up being really cool. And, like, we went back a couple more times that weekend. The bartender would be like, hey, you guys can sit here. It's cool. Come, come, come. But um, you know what else is in Philadelphia? What is? Sports. Yes. Sports is there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Trusting the process. And, of course, Eagles Nation. Um, the, wor- the world's scariest mascot, but yes. Yeah. What's his name? I, w- I would say it's uh, Birdo's ex-boyfriend that, you know, could not get with the program. That's the Philly Fanatic. Yes. Oh, wait, no, you're talking about oh, uh, yeah. the, the Flyers one. Yeah. Um, Grizz something or some shit. It's a uh, Gritty. Gritty. No, no, wait. I don't, I, I'm not no, saying it is that gritty. Right. You're right. It's gritty. It is gritty. Yeah. Okay. He's terrifying. He looks like he did a lot of crack cocaine. My favorite thing, though, like in Philadelphia culture, yeah. is when, like, they put the fanatic and him right next to each other and they cropped him onto um, the primary main characters in Pulp Fiction. <laughs> I haven't seen that. That's amazing. <laughs> People have that on shirts and in bumper stickers on their cars. I'm looking it up right now. It's 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 absolutely hilarious. It's in the top five searching, so there's that. Oh my! There it is. I low key want that shirt now, though. I'm not gonna lie to you. Well, you're not a Philadelphia fan, are you? Well, here's the here's the funny part. Where you have been all over the country, (laughs) you you have you have beat your chest as a midwestern woman. Yeah. Um, you have spent your studying days up the Atlantic coast Mm -hmm. and you are now residing in uh, the peninsula area with me here. Indeed. Um, I I can't say that you are a Florida woman yet. No, I'm not. I don't, I don't think I've succumbed to that level. It's getting there though. I need to stop wearing athleisure wear as my high class outfits. I'm crossing a dangerous line, but the minute you wear more yoga pants and flip flops, you're on the right track. I, you know, it's I'm towing the line for sure. So that's that's another thing I want to ask you about, right? Yeah. Your heart's in the in the middle of America in the Midwest. You do have strong representation of uh, Baltimore, mm-hmm. where you studied, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Where where is your dedicated fandom between Kansas City and Baltimore? Like I like break it down with the primaries for me. Okay. Oh. So I would say overall, like if people were like, what like what sports fan are you? I would definitely probably lean towards Kansas City. Obviously the childhood <clears throat> aspect of that, like growing up, going to like mm-hmm. I mostly went to baseball games. Um I've actually never been to a Chiefs game in my life. Um, I have been to one Ravens game. So I guess if we're going to go NFL, 
It's really so awesome. you're a Ravens fan. No, I'm, I'm not really an anything fan is the problem. Like NFL. Okay. Is, eh, is how I feel. What is, what is your primary? Like sports? Yes. I would say baseball, but I've decided this year. And, <laughs> and that's why you're on the show. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've decided this year that I want to get into hockey and soccer. Football, if you will. Um, Are you only getting into soccer because of Ted Lasso? No. So... I actually thought okay. So my old boss in Baltimore mm. is Egyptian. And Okay. So no, wait, he's a Liverpool fan. Fuck. Ugh. I actually don't know if he is. I should ask him that. He would be he would think that's if he is Egyptian, he loves Mohammed Salah. Yeah, probably. And Mohammed Salah is the striker for Liverpool. Okay, then probably. He's also yes. a big DC United fan. So when I went, I went up there for a weekend in October, and I got to go to a Caps game, and I went to a DC United game. Um, it's a very sports oriented weekend for me. I felt like the like the Lonely Island song where they're like, "I love sports and I don't care who knows," because <laughs> that's about the extent of my sport knowledge. But anyways, right. I like I have very vivid memories of like so my first year of law school, like my summer internship was with this uh, man and his brother. And we were like in the office, we're working one day and he's like, stop what you're doing. Come out here. And I was like, oh God, like what happened? Like what's going on? He's like, the World Cup is on. We do not work when the World Cup is on. And I was like, I don't know, I don't know what that is. And he was like, oh. and he was like, what? And I was like, I, what, what World Cup? And he was like, you know, football. And I was like, yeah, I don't think we call it that here. And he was like, no, no. And then I was like, oh, I'm just an idiot. Got it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you should have had a nerd there to break six stuff. And I was like, hi, how are you? Yeah. Um, you saw the Goblet of Fire, right? And <laughs> right. you know how the beginning is done with Quidditch and the countries, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Picture that, but for muggles. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> but like, I mean, so it's funny because, like, obviously, like growing up, even like hockey, I didn't even know Missouri had a hockey team until I was in college. It's fine. Live and learn. They they won the Stanley Cup not too long ago. Yeah, well, I was out of college after that. Thank you. I was aware, mm, aware of the okay. team at the time. Um, but, but you you have that small bit in you being from Kansas City that you have somewhat that bad blood to St. Louis. So I wouldn't necessarily oh, say you care for that team either. No, I don't care at all. I mean, okay, so the Blues the Blues can win it in the sense that it is the only hockey team because like Kansas City does not have a hockey team. I don't even no. have like, hockey in the area. So I'll give the Blues, but like the Cardinals can suck it. Sorry to interview you by hard. That's, that's another reason why you're on the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would say like baseball. I love the, okay. I love the Royals. They're my number one. They're my boys in blue. We're always, I'm always going to be a Royals fan. And I love okay. Coffin Stadium. It's just incredible. If you haven't had the chance, okay. highly suggest. But I just, there's something about the O's. Like Camden Yards just feels like home. Like obviously, walking into Kauffman Stadium is always going to be like childhood memories, whatever. But I love going to O's games, even if there's like five other fans there. I like being at the O's games, and I went to one in August, and we were playing the Tigers, and we accidentally because I was maybe happened to have a few orange crushes before we bought the tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked the wrong dugout to sit behind. <laughs> so we were sitting behind the Tigers because they were playing oh, Detroit. Uh-huh. 
hilarious because like the people <laughs> around us just thought it was hilarious that we were like in tiger's territory very much wearing lots of o's gear because i had brought like my hat i had a t-shirt we made one of the other guys that came with us like wear it by a t-shirt my boss is like in an orange polo we're like o's fans <laughs> and none of us know dick about baseball <laughs> other than like the basics and obviously i know a little bit but, like not enough to explain anything in depth to anyone the amount of games you've been with been with well, me okay. no, and you I still know. haven't picked up anything yet well i've picked up stuff but i don't feel confident enough in my skills to then explain things like rbis to people that don't know anything about baseball what did you just knock over nothing i you kicked might. something actually oh. i was like are you throwing your beer now what the hell no i finished my beer which yeah. is a problem i know i was just thinking mine's empty and i need to go grab another but for football wise i own a chief's t-shirt uh, singular. <laughs> yeah, singular. My dad sent it to me after we won the Super Bowl and was like, you need to own one of these. And I was like, sure, whatever. Thanks, um, dad. <laughs> yeah. And then I've been to a Ravens preseason game and we had law school prom at the Ravens stadium one time. Oh, so my law kids, school prom. That's real, huh? Yeah, it's real. It's it's, it's called Barrister's Bowl because we're fancy. Um, Is it hot? No, it's not. <laughs> It's it doesn't have the teenage angst of actual no. prom, but like right. you know, you could do adult things. Just like you know, people are gonna more. You're holding like a martini people. glass, and you're like, "Oh, hello, Susan. I haven't seen you since Tuesday in contracts. How are you doing this evening?" Because you're wearing like a nice ass ball gown, and you're like, "I'm going to get wasted this evening, and no one's going to talk about it at class on Monday." Lovely. <laughs> Carry on. It's the dumbest, like, pretentious. It's kind of fun, though, because, like, it's free. Like, well, not free. I think you pay, like, $40. But it's, like, usually all you can drink, all you can eat. Like, I would do everything possible to get kicked out. Yeah. That would be my primary objective. Date, no date. I am just going to be an obnoxious, drunk asshole and do everything possible to be kicked out. Because that just sounds fucking miserable. (laughs) pretty like self-regulated and the key is to find the fun kids and then make the fun kids go do something else with you like one year we had it at a casino and i was like this fucking sucks i was like let's go gamble and then we gambled till like three in the morning it was a good time that's cool my bank account did not think it was a good time the next morning but i thought it was a great time (laughs) true (laughs) indeed all right so because you are somewhat a fake Chiefs fan yeah, and, you know, a temporary Baltimore fan, uh, you are aware that two of the hottest quarterbacks of this time frame are A, Patrick Mahomes of Kansas, and B, Lamar Jackson <clears throat> of, of Baltimore, right? Yeah. I say Kansas City. <clears throat> I won't claim Kansas. Okay. Like, All right. We're, really, we're you think I have beef with St. Louis? I got beef with Kansas. <laughs> St. Louis doesn't even have a football team anymore. Yeah, that's. <laughs> you could think for <laughs> LA. You could thank LA for that. You know what I mean? Right. That's that's the funnier part. Out there. In the so. Coliseum. Um, I, I I guess to put you on the spot, who do you think is the bigger hunk between Mahomes or Jackson? <laughs> so. I've been I've been debating this with myself all day. Sure. And I would have to say Lamar Jackson. Hey, there he Mahomes is. Looks like a thumb. 
He looks like a thumb. I don't like his hair. And his voice alone. Like, he he could look like Johnny Depp did back in, like, 1987. But if he talked <laughs> like Patrick Mahomes does, I, I don't think I could. It's the ketchup on the steak for me. That makes me look at him and go, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, and, the, like, Lamar Jackson looks like he could give me a good piggyback ride. Like That's <laughs> cute. Yeah. Um, that's cute. I also, so, Lamar Jackson, I also probably, we could never argue because I wouldn't know what he was saying. So, I, ironically, for someone who is <laughs> sports unintelligent as I am. I went to the Pro Bowl a few years ago. Okay. Because one of my friends wanted to go to the Pro Bowl, so then I went to the Pro Bowl. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Nobody goes to those things, so congratulations. Yeah. (laughs) Brunch thing at the Hard Rock in Orlando and meet like two Hall of Famers that I'd never heard of that my dad was very impressed by. Oh, all right. um, Went to the game I bought my first NFL hat and I bought just a red one because I didn't want to commit to a team. <laughs> so I, just Yet. Have, I have an NFL Yet. hat, but it's to no. I mean, I guess technically that's a conference, right? Isn't the AFC the blue, the red team, a red conference? That's correct. Well, see, I know more than I pretend to know. Um, Nobody anyway. cares about the conferences. No, I know. In all seriousness. Okay. <laughs> like kind of a homage to Chiefs. Homage, homage. I don't know how you say that word. Whatever. Um, it depends. Are yeah. you more French fancy or not? I mean, we had this argument earlier in the show. Homage. I don't know. Anyways. Uh, homage. 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 Mm, I don't like it. Yeah, it's French. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I bought red because I was like, that's kind of Chiefs colors, but also not committing. Um, but Lamar Jackson won like some award for like some MVP of the game or some nonsense. Cause I was only sort of watching. Um, well, they both won MVPs. So there's that. Yeah. But not a, he, Pat, this was pre Patrick Mahomes being a quarterback. Are you sure? Positive. Because they've both been in the league roughly around the same time. And Pat won the MVP before Martin. Oh, really? Yes, ma'am. Hang on. I'm going to look because now I'm curious. Take your time. I'm not lying to you. No, I believe you. It's not As a I matter of fact, in years consecutive, it was Pat who won it the year before Lamar did. Oh, then I must have won the year after. But I don't think, I don't remember Pat being at that one or like as big a deal. Pat, so when you're in the Pro Bowl, okay, the Pro Bowl happens in the middle of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. And is actually held the week before the Super Bowl. It's that lull period mm-hmm. that happens once the two teams are decided that the Pro Bowl will go on like for the first week in between football. And normally the teams that are, you know, competing heavy in the playoffs do not send their players to the Pro Bowl. Right. Okay. Pat has been consistently in the playoffs since his title run. Yeah. Okay. So he must have won in 2019 then, because I went in 2020. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, I believe you. I'm just like, I'm just thinking, obviously, I pay a lot of attention to the American football. 
Currently, the reigning MVP is Aaron Rodgers. Of course it is. But um, before him was Lamar, and then the year before that was Patrick. Can I just say that Aaron Rodgers is like so overrated in all aspects? We could do a whole fucking podcast on how much we hate Aaron Rodgers here. Literally, like a live stream every day. I'd probably actually get famous for once. Um, There's been another, hey, you know, connect your TikTok to this show and, you know, we're in business, baby. (laughs) And now for Ali's daily rant about Aaron Rodgers. (laughs) There we go. There's enough people on this show who have shown up where they have been anti-Green Bay, anti-St. Louis, where I feel like we're going to lose our demographic from Wisconsin and St. Louis or misery as a whole. Nah. I'm pronouncing that right, yeah, correctly, yeah, right? For sure. M- misery. That's, that's that's the state yeah. name. That's where I'm driving to this weekend. So, oh, for you're sure. driving to misery this weekend. How horrific! <laughs> for real, though. Tis the season, and you can catch up on all the episodes the of the Espro TV podcast. Espro, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll record an intro song for you. We thank you kindly for joining us on this uh, show and squeezing us for some time during the holidays for you yeah. for us joining for uh, the show <laughs> and all things considered. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. It has been a pleasure. Where can they follow you for your thirst talks oh, and boy. other social media juicy bits that you are willing to throw out there? So for my TikToks, um, my handle is at Adventurous Alley. That's also my Instagram handle because I like – actually, my Instagram is probably way cooler than my TikTok if we're being truly honest because I do travel a lot and I like to post a lot about my travels on Instagram. Um, Isn't it? You know, some of us are like fancy and worldly. Uh, <laughs> If you want to listen to Bingeworthy, we do have a original podcast called Drive to Ants, which is my friend Ant and his friend Matt. And then that's who hosts. It's Drive to Ants host Bingeworthy. So we have a website that for that. And then also, um, like Maddie said, you could find us on Apple Podcast. And I think if you just type in Bingeworthy on Google, we've got enough of an SEO going that we actually pull up as like one of the first 10 things, which is super cool. They are there. Um Coming soon, you can cut this or you can include it if you'd like. Um, I am doing a second podcast called 30 or More with Allie and Ant, um, which is going to be like a fun little chit chat about like travel, day to day life, whatever tickles our fancy. Dips on being a guest. You know, oh, of course, please, please. Um, because my voice, like Sweet D's, can only go so far. There you go. People can Before only you listen to for so long. But. <laughs> Here we are. I just need to start. I need to learn how to edit a little faster and a little better, and we'll be fucking rolling. But oh yeah, no, it's it's a, it's about having the time it, and all things considered. The everyone's like, "Can I help you?" And I'm like, "Can you build in five more hours into my day?" And they're like, "No." And I'm like, "Then probably not." Probably not. <laughs> but I do appreciate your time and effort. I don't know why I keep slipping into this weird fancy like. Upper East Side accent, like what is this? But here we are. What do you think? You better than me. Ralphie, <laughs> can you grab the door, please? Okay, thanks. <laughs> there it is. Oh God, Lord have mercy on our souls. 
for this holiday uh, season and going forwards. <laughs> I, I know I'm not going to have one at the end of it. I because don't think that's... I have one now. I went to law school. It's gone. <laughs> hey, yo. <laughs> oh, man. All right, everybody. Well, this has been a awesome episode to have my friend Allie here in place of TV, who is still missing in action. I know he's not dead because, you know, he definitely wanted to rub my face in the fact that uh, the Bulls lost to his heat this weekend, despite that the uh, Chicago Bulls were basically had half their team on the COVID protocol list. But another sports fan will tell you that excuses are like assholes and everybody has them. So there's that. Um, Please make sure to follow us on Twitter at ETV underscore pod on Instagram at Estabro TV pod and join the Facebook conversations in the Facebook group for Estabro TV podcast. My name has been Maddie. Holiday season keeps on trucking along, and um, we will definitely have a few more episodes here before we wrap up for the remainder of the year. So uh, take care, everyone, and have a good weekend. Peace. Bye. open oh no it got all over my microphone oh no well our table <laughs> it's broken what is that I, i've heard it obviously but like what is the originating thing for that do you know dude okay so bro i me. believe <laughs> oh fuck i'm in a mess okay so i believe um Originally, it was a kid running around with a dog, like a large dog, mm-hmm. okay? And the coffee table is a giant glass table. And they're roughhousing or, you know, running around being idiots. And the dog, like, you know, tries to parkour it off one couch to the other and, like, dives over the table, falls, breaks it, and falls through. And the kid goes, you know, says the famous line. <laughs> I was like, I always see, I always hear it, but I was like, sometimes you see the originating videos and sometimes you do not. So, yeah, then we're we're running into that problem with TikTok momentarily. I'm gonna go get a paper towel. We'll be right yeah, right back. I'll just talk about my beer while he's cleaning up his beer. I just finished a delicious one called Oktoberfest Locker <laughs> from Fatheads Brewery in Ohio. I got gifted it. They've got a great. This is my house. This is my neighbor. He is pain in my asshole. You are pain in my asshole. I'm going to talk about my beers now since you talked about your beer. Yeah, I know. I want you to talk about your beer. Hold on. Sir, why are you making me wait like I am peasant? I don't understand. (laughs) I'm very sorry for uh, the, uh, well, uh, 
technical liquid difficulties there, ladies and gentlemen. So very um, much probably <laughs> this is very much a party foul. It's a fucking party foul. That's what that is. <laughs>